Welcome to the Talking People and Technology podcast. I'm Jared Cameron. We're live from the Contingent Workforce Conference in Sydney. I'm joined by David G. Dave, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Jared. Having uh, been, you know, a lot of fun at the conference so far. Yeah, it's been good so far, hasn't it? Lots mm. of great conversations. Definitely. I've learned a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah, me too, I've, actually. I feel like I'm about to learn some more, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're joined by Nathan Delbridge from KPMG. How are you doing, Nathan? Going great, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. So, uh, yeah, it's been a great conference so far. It's uh, had some great insights, and I think it's sort of evolved from where it was last year to where it is now around talking more around the solutions of contingent workforce versus just the, the pure mechanics of a, a mm. solution. Uh, I think last year it's uh, a great feather in the cap of the organisers of how they've actually managed to evolve the conference and uh, around the talk and the, the idea sharing as well. Adapted it to sort of a, I mean, you, you actually just came out of a session, right? So, Correct, yeah, yeah. So what, what were you sort of covering in your session today? So basically what we're looking at was uh, the KPMG solution uh, as types and as an internally focused solution. So I was looking at how we look at our contingent workforce and how we bring them into our culture, our mindset and our values and how we can actually bring them uh, our... Um, contingent workforce into our workforce mm. uh, as it's more and more becoming known that uh, the contractors are on the rise and how they're used and project work it's becoming less traditional versus contingent to mm. is this the new norm of uh, where we're heading and uh, we can't just try and operate at arm's length for that so we have to start to bring that in and bring them along the journey and make them part of our corporate brand. I mean, what, what sort of percentage of KPMG is contingent today? I mean, is it, has that changed much in recent years? It's on the increase. I think what it's... And part of what KPMG is grappling with is trying to understand what part is actually contingent yeah. and understanding <laughs> how many contractors you've got in your business. Uh, so I think it's fair to say it's somewhere around the 15%. Definitely right. in, it varies from sector to sector to service mm. line to service line. Uh, but it sits around the 10 to 15% as, as a rule of thumb. sort of. A, a, so, and that's increasing as our clients demand and the skill sets that we need to bring in to actually yeah. meet that client demand. So it's mm. around surge mm. and augmentation as much as anything else. And so I guess you're sort of feeling at the moment that if it's been increasing, that's the tra- trajectory we're heading down. You're sort of expecting somebody a bigger slice of the pie in, in the next five years? I think in the next five years it'll become more and more because what will change with the demographic shift away from full-time employment to what actually people demand from their employers yeah. as well. Like People want flexibility. They want to be able to move from project to project. They want to be stimulated through their actual core function of what they do. So if you're a business analyst, you want to work on business analyst work you don't want to be yeah. sort of blended off over to the side and that's so more and more it'll be driven by what society demands and i think that will change the nature of what a workforce is mm. and we will sort of lose the uh traditional model versus the new model and until someone else comes up with something different i guess but, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so there. so the challenge for organizations like ours and i say like ours because we're a consulting firm yeah. as, as um you know professional services firm as you guys are um, using contractors or contingent workers um, has always been... Um, I think that the challenge we've always found is how do you do that without diluting the yeah. brand proposition that you have yeah. as a consulting firm? Um, and there's this... I've always felt like there's this balancing act to 100%. meet the needs of your clients without diluting yeah. what it is that makes them carry the KPMG badge. Yeah. It's a point in time where you run the risk of just becoming a staffing agency. 
That's a hundred percent. So, so at the moment, if you look at how we use contractors and, and mm. subcontractors, they're always in, embedded in our team. Right. They, yep. They're not the team. They're not the yep. the one that goes out and delivers. They're inside our team and managed by KPMG. Mm-hmm. So. The quality and uh, the liberals and the expectations of the clients are all managed and delivered by KPMG. Mm-hmm. So that's how it's happened so far. Yep. I think going forward and looking 10 years down the track, yeah. when the actual model of engagement of employees changes, yeah. there may be a time in which we stop calling it contracting and calling it subcontracting. Mm-hmm. It may be actually come to a point where it's just the way in which we engage employees. Yeah. Yeah. Now, where do we sit with that legally and against the backdrop of all the legislation and the Fair Work Ombudsman and the likes of those? That's something I think government and um, yeah. power brokers are going to have to try and grapple with mm. as those challenges happen. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, do we end up just looking like a body shop? I think that with that whole evolution, that will change as well mm. because mm. our clients will start to look like that as well. So, right, their, yeah. so their mindset's going to change in their expectations of what our workforce looks like mm. because their f- workforce is going to look somewhat similar as well because mm. their workforce looks somewhat similar to ours as it is now. They're yeah. going to get used to it, aren't they? They're yeah. going to say, hey, we already operate this way internally, yeah. so it's not that much of a stretch of the imagination yeah. that our service provider would also 100%. have that kind of So it's sort of on. just an, as, as the demographics change and the expectations change of the mm. people that are now your clients – that'll actually help with the blending of your workforce. Yeah. So that, that for me, and this is, you know, this is a conversation that we, we started a podcast and we'll probably need red wine for. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what is, I'm still concerned that professional services, mm-hmm. the more we um, tra- move to these models and we, we align with our yeah. clients who are um, having a more fluid workshop, uh, workforce, yeah. um, the more potential there is to make ourselves irrelevant. Yeah. So what, so what do we do to counter that? What, how do we continue to offer something that is distinctly a value proposition um, whilst having this more fluid workforce working for us and for our clients? So I think it comes back to the fundamentals of your business and that's around the culture, the values mm. and the mindset you bring to the table. Mm. Uh, people, when they, if you look at KPMG, for example, people mm. buy a reputation. They yep. buy a brand, they buy a certain level of comfort that comes with that. Mm. So, and that's driven by our people. Uh, so maintaining that sort of level of um, corporate IP, I guess, around yeah. what KPMG represents, uh, what individuals within that represent, how they operate towards the client, mm. is pretty much what it's going to become. It's one of the... It, you're exactly right. It's a hard one to grapple yeah. with because you're going to sit there and go, well, at what point do we, are, we, are we selling the methodology and we can just insert anyone to it? Mm. And it becomes a little bit like Lego, clicking. Yep. You yep. can just click in and out. It's a fulfillment exercise, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so it's really coming back to around that what are, why do people actually buy on top of just your methodology? Mm. So it's all around that. They're buying the culture, they're buying the values, they're buying the actual reputation and the certainty that comes with that. So for us, that's where, where we sit. Sort of, it's around sort of making sure that our contractors are currently align with that and mm. deliver that for us, the same as our full-time employees mm. do. Uh, so that's a that's a interesting one going forward. Yeah. I, so what do, you, what do you do then to uh, manage the risk to your reputation yeah. and... Um, I guess to ensure that you're continuing to 
build the IP and and the other attributes that are the product that KPMG has with an increasingly contingent workforce. What so with the contingent workforce, it's really around making sure that we have them part of... The, firstly, they're vetted around the risk. Mm-hmm. We actually put them through a fairly intensive risk yeah. uh, process. Is it the same degree of um, assessment you would do to a permanent person right now? So if it's... There's certain layers. Yep. And depending on the level of the, like the agreement that we put in place, yeah. then it's pretty much... They're almost parallel. Right. At a certain point, it's mm. within a whisper of each other mm. between a, a contractor and a, a permanent employee. Yep. The subcontracting where it's sort of slightly more contingent sure. mm. uh, and where we've got a lot of oversight, yeah. it's different there yep. again. You manage them at the project we, level there, don't you? A hundred percent, yeah. So it's all at the engagement level. So that's sort of how that occurs there. Uh, from there, it's around how do we actually bring them in and make sure they're aligned with us. So, as, again, then it's the vetting of them as a person. So, it's as much around the culture for our subcontractors as it is for our, our permanent employees. So, we have to have that internally because the vetting process has to come from us because we own the culture. The culture isn't a, isn't a value statement. You can't write it on a bit of wall. You can, well, you can write it on a wall, but um, it's probably not going to mean much if people don't live by it. So, the people that are there... that are vetting these people need to be, understand the culture as well and then yep. hire towards that. Mm. Uh, so that's probably how we're managing that at the moment and how we'll go forward managing that mm. and making sure they align with us. And that's or you have constant conversations with hiring managers, the cultural fit isn't right. Yep. And that's one of the biggest conversations yeah, you have. It's one of so the biggest that, indicators, isn't it? Yeah. And so we'll have constant conversations. We need to get that cultural fit right. We need to, what is the culture actually looking for? Because mm. the other thing is we're a big company. So cultures, we have cultures within cultures sure. as well. Yep. And they have cultures added mm. out with our clients. They've got a culture as well. Yeah, so they do. True. we have to make sure that our contractors not only align with us, but if they're being brought in to doing a specific mm. task for our client, that they culturally align with them as well. So it's, there's going to be a whole communication piece that happens mm. around that and making sure we interact at the human level, not just through mm. portals and the likes of that. Because uh, you can't write in words what you can convey through a conversation, uh, I don't think yet. Uh, I, I think we've tried very hard. Uh, and to date, mm. I think a lot of people, uh, when it comes down to those existential sort of criteria, they're easy to pick up through having a conversation with someone. Yeah, yeah. You, you talked just before, you know, a little bit about um, how the makeup of of your customers is starting to change and therefore the makeup of your organisation yeah. is changing as well. If you sort of fast forward a bit in your brain and you imagine sort of an environment where we're constantly reforming teams and we're using contingent yeah. workers to do that and you know, do you sort of feel that perhaps the measure of success for an organisation is actually going to be how well they can reform teams constantly with sometimes new people all yeah. the time, still deliver the service and the quality but you know, you, you sort of the skill set that's going to be required in an organisation a little like from a manager perspective, it's not going to be about slowly, progressively developing up your team over years and getting them to a yeah. point of maturity, and then they take the next step. You know, it's going to be about rapidly reforming groups of people and having to try and work out where they sit and reforming. Like, it's going to take a really different type of leader, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that you, what you hit is part of what we're trying to do in the education part of our 
practice is going out to managers and educating them around how they can actually be good managers yeah. of a contingent workforce. Mm. How do you get someone engaged? How do you set them up for success at the start of a program, at the start of their contract? So over sort of a few months, they're able to deliver the outcome that the client needs mm. uh, without, like you said, it have gone years to bring them to where we need them uh, or six months to bring them to where we need them. Mm. How do we actually get our managers to engage their contingent workforce in a manner that actually is successful for the client, us, but also the contractor as well? Because they're they're still going to be engaged. They're still going to be fulfilled because if they're not, then they're going to come and just slug it out for for their contract and then move on. And they'll deliver the outcome because they're they're professional and they'll get through it, Mm. but they're not going to be satisfied or engaged or actually have fulfilment in their job. And that's if all we're really after is an outcome, then I think we've sort of missed the point of why people come to work. I think there's going to be more to it. And part of that is educating our managers on how to lead their blended teams yeah, and how they can engage people at different levels instead of just driving, well, I just need you to deliver this outcome, I need you to invoice me each month, and if you do all that right, then I'm happy. Sort of, a, It's got to go beyond that now. Yeah. They've got to re- we've got to give our managers the tools and the education around how to do that as well. We can't just leave them out there to dry, hang the dry and no. hope that... Because otherwise we'll just end up filtering out the managers. You'll have managers that manage good, managers that manage okay, and managers mm. that manage bad. And the unfortunate part is the small percentage of bad managers will actually impact far greater than the good managers. Yeah. yeah. So we have, to, we have to move through that. And I think that's been historic um, through subcontracting and continued workforce in Australia where there's been major transformations in the way businesses have happened around what's actually driven between good managers and bad managers and how that's managed. And it's going to that cultural piece of creating a them and us scenario. And mm. we've got to be very careful not to create that where the contractors feel like them yeah. and then there's an us. Yeah. So we have to be very careful that they become part of a whole and in what a we, we call... Yeah, we or what we call like one KPMG sort of yeah. is a nice little catchphrase that we chuck yeah. around. But it's sort of um, it is really about bringing them in and being part of the team mm. as much as we can uh, in the short time frame we've got to engage them. So yeah. that comes back to the manager, like you said, it comes back to managers and their engagement styles and the way in which they manage their workforces. We're lucky we've got some really great managers uh, that are really adaptive around diversity mm. and the and the. Um, the insights they have around that and the proactiveness they show uh, towards that. But a great example where a manager came out and basically were doing rate negotiations and he sort of went, well, I don't feel this person is actually representing themselves right. And we were sort of like, what do you mean not representing themselves right? Well, they should be asking for a pay rise. We want to give them a pay rise, but they haven't asked for it. It's like, okay, well, that's great. And he's like, we're going to do it. Like, so that to me is the, that's a good cultural yeah. aspect that managers are sitting there going even though this person hasn't asked for it yeah. we've got others that are asking for it and they're entitled to it but we need to go back to this person and say you need to come up mm. we, we want to take you along we can't just so it's gone away from just being well oh well we can make a bit more money on them yeah to we want to engage and we want to make them feel part of our organisation because that's how we would treat a full-time employee as yeah, well it is yeah is it, go, it does go the other way as well though and i yeah. think this is an interesting challenge as well um, you've got permanent um, staff who are building their careers at KPMG yeah. and they're going coming through the ranks it's yeah. very much the style of you know of how we work right we, yeah. 
um, you know, they, they get better over time, they get access to promotions and, and work through the ranks. Um, and they're on salaries, yeah. largely. Those sort of, um, we, we find this a challenge ourselves, mm. where they then get put on projects and they're sitting alongside someone on a day rate. Yep. And they go, hang on a minute, I, they're no better than me. Um, you know, why is it they're getting you know, this much more, that kind of um, yeah. mindset? So how do, you, how do you go about, you know, I guess, dealing with that side of it as well? So I guess it's more around why you're actually using the contractors mm. is how we've managed it to date. Like we don't have them there doing our day-to-day functions. They're there right. for specific tasks. Yeah, okay. So it's tasks that aren't na- native to us mm. Mm. Or, or they're above and beyond our capacity that we have at the moment. So they're brought in for a short amount of time to actually mm. act as surge capacity. So we really make sure that they're there for a specific purpose. Right. To yep. achieve our business outcomes. So they're just coming, doing the same job as no. the person next to them. No. So that's how we sort of, to date, how we managed it, mm. and that's been the, and how it's sort of gone. So you can always, the, the good managers can sit there and have the conversation that, well, this person's coming on because the client's asked us to deliver this. Yeah. And we can't do that. That's not them. inside our wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We can't actually do that. Like, yeah. But the client wants us to do that, mm. and we, we can go and help augmentate our workforce over time towards that as the client's heading yep. there. But this is the first step in that. Mm. Uh, so that's sort of how it's been managed today. Mm. Mm. Um, it doesn't stop the conversations from happening. Yep. They certainly happen. Uh, but it really is just around expectation setting mm. yep. uh, with the permanent staff and the, and the flexible staff as well. Yeah. There was talk yesterday, um, certainly in the first couple of sessions, uh, Kevin's yep. keynote yesterday talked a lot about AI yeah, yeah, and yep. and I think our industry is one of those ones that's that threat, you know, yeah. threat from uh, yeah the automation of those um, routine cognitive yeah. tasks. Um, is that something that you're you're looking at as well? I mean, I, I kind of I have this sense that if you're looking at contingent workforce, yeah. it's um, looking if not today, certainly in the not too distant future, we'll be looking at. Um, Bots and AI alongside the humans is a contingent part of our workforce. Yeah, I think it's going to. I think there's going to be a, a blending, and always has been a blend of technology mm-hmm. in the workplace. Mm. How you define technology is just just slightly evolved over time, I mm, guess. Yeah. Right, so yeah. it's gone from horse and cart to now AI, sort of. So, so define mm. technology, and then you, you find it working along it with everyone at every stage. Mm. So I think for us, what and I think what Kevin was talking about, and what I sort of took away was. In the 20th century, we talked a lot about efficiency yeah. and how we drive process. Uh, I think going into the next, where the, the human interaction is going to be around the effectiveness of mm-hmm. what we're doing. Yeah. So the efficiency will be driven by the AI, the process, the, the mundane, the, the things that we can put nice parameters around mm. and, uh, and they can sort of look at and go, well, it doesn't take any sort of cognitive ability to understand what we're trying to do. Like yeah. you, you, facial recognition can only happen to a certain point. Mm, mm. But if they're only looking at the face, they might not see where the hands go. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, yep. yep. But, and we've also got, uh, we've got so many years of learnt ability that AI, unless they're going to hang around for 36 years, 38, 40 years, mm. that they won't have that learnt ability either. Mm. So I think it's sort of it's a combination of, of it'll be both. Mm. I can see AI definitely coming into how, especially the recruitment side of it, around those process-driven functions. Yep. Uh, but the effectiveness of that is going to still be driven by people, mm-hmm. and I think that's where we're heading more towards is where people mm. are going to add effectiveness. Yep. Uh, whilst AI will bring it, will just progress us to the next level 
of mm. evolution, I guess, of where we head in work. Sort of, mm. uh, like the effectiveness that we bring will actually be far greater because of the efficiency that AI brings to the process. Yeah, makes sense. Big stuff. Yeah, I know. So, um, I guess the the other. Um, element of this is looking at do you, do you have have a look at what others in the professional services space are doing so I, I know the great thing about professional services firms is they tend to blow their own trumpets a lot oh yeah right? so, very good at that you know we had that, <laughs> two years ago well, maybe three years ago it was all yeah. about performance reviews kill yeah. the performance review and it was yeah, Deloitte yeah. and Accenture yeah. all going we've killed ours and KPMG's yeah. probably killed theirs as well yeah I, well, it's in various states of <laughs> yeah. uh, evolution I think is the fair way <laughs> to put it yeah so you getting this contingent model yeah. right is that something that then becomes a, um, you know, a, a selling point? Uh, I think it becomes a selling point for us. Are we are we the only ones doing it? We're not. No, the, all the, uh, all our competitors are doing it. For sure. Yeah. Um, like EY is definitely doing it. They're, they're in the Deloitte's doing it. Mm. PwC are doing it. So the big four are all in this mm. uh, together. Yeah. Um, so I think, and for me, it's sort of like how much we bring along and where we get it to is important for us. Yeah. But there's a bigger picture in play. We need to get it right for the economy. Mm-hmm. We have to allow the economy to actually prosper and affect. Sure. And yeah. we have to get it right for the individuals that are in that as well. Yeah. We have to have engaged workforces. I don't sort of want to be sitting back at uh, at 70 reflecting back at the time in which we impacted. Yeah. We destroyed go, the... We sort of didn't quite get it right. We destroyed the essence of work. Yeah. We, yeah. we <laughs> mucked that up, didn't we, Jeff? Yeah. So, like, sort of, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's sort of more... I, I think it's about one around us getting it right and blowing our own trumpet in the process. Yeah. But not being afraid to go out and actually share ideas yeah. and share experiences yeah. and share each other's stories because there's a far greater thing in play yeah. at this moment around how we actually evolve our economy to meet society's demands as well. We've got de- displaced families, so yeah. flexibility in the workplace is yeah. absolutely Critical. paramount. Like You go back 40 years ago, we used to all live in family groups. Yep. Now we don't do that. Mm. We've got a whole generation that grandparents are only seen at Christmas. Yeah. Sort yeah. of like, so yeah. they're not, the support mechanisms are different. So the, the companies and the businesses need to start looking at how we can create support mechanisms mm. Mm. Um, to make our economy prosper. Mm. Oh, that's a topic that we could get into, I think. Well, <laughs> wine and maybe cheese for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nathan would actually love to perhaps, we have to get you back another time to, yeah. to tackle that one, but it's a great way to end it maybe actually. I mean, thank you for jumping on the podcast and talking us through what's happening at KPMG. It's really a sort of interesting story to hear about, and I'm sure there'll be a, a lot of other organisations that are, are starting to try and tackle the same challenge that you have. Been. Yeah, they're all in it, and we're, we're all in it together. That's the main thing that we uh, we get the solution that's right for our, our economy going forward. Mm. Yeah, great. Thank great. you very much, and mate. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks.